What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, happy Mardi Gras to everyone out there. Uh, We've got a lot of lacrosse on the docket today. This midweek slate is really, really strong. Got a strong weekend slate as well that we'll touch on on Thursday. Uh, But before we get going here, you know, I I always, on Tuesday's show, like to kind of, I I need to come up with a name for this segment. I guess I'll, I mean, I do the the article on Monday called Weekend Rewind. I I guess I'll just call this a Weekend Rewind, whatever. Um, Like to go back and, and because I go back on Sundays and I watch games that I missed or watch a half or whatever of a game that I maybe didn't was wasn't fully focused on. Um, and I did go back and I watched the Cornell and Lehigh game, which I believe I I tuned in for like a minute or so of that one. Uh, it, it was like late in the first half, and then I never tuned back in after the halftime. So. I went back and watched that one, and what Cornell? That is a, that's that that's a good team. That's a good team. Uh, Michael Long was not in that game, uh, but I think he's expected to be back for Ohio State, from what I heard. So that'll be good for them. Um, this Cornell offense, you know, really both of the. It, it was weird. This is a nine to five game. Uh, and really, the Cornell offense I don't think was spectacular. Um, you know they've got a big one coming up on actually tonight against Hobart, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's obviously a rivalry contest there, so that could go either way. Uh, but I think Cornell probably is a better team there. And look, we know this is a good Hobart team as well. Uh, they've had a strong start to the season also. Both of these teams 2-0. and uh, But the Big Red under Connor Busick head coach, which still seems so weird to say that, Connor Busick head coach um, of the Cornell Big Red, 2-0. and And th- this was a performance on Saturday against Lehigh. Well, really, their defense won this game for them. So both of these offenses – Tried to do things, getting those inverts, attacking the short stick matchups, trying to look for cutters, and Lehigh really did not have a lot of success with that because this Cornell defense was able to kind of suck in. They would the the, the zone gave them some trouble. Um, they would switch to zone. They would kind of alternate back and forth. It was never like you go back and you watch. It was never, you know, they were never. There was times on possessions go man, and then they switch back into the zone. You'd see them tighten up, and um, so this Cornell defense just overall had a really good game. Gavin Adler especially played well. I thought uh, he didn't like stuff the stat sheet. There, he had two ground balls and one turnover, one cost turnover. Uh, so not exactly like a, a massive day statistically, 
but for the majority of the game, he was tasked with uh, guarding Tommy Schelling, who's the top point getter for Lehigh. Holds him scoreless with just a goalless, I should say, with just two assists on the day. So this, this Cornell defense really, really played well. I also thought that that rope unit for Cornell played fairly well. Uh, Joseph Bartolo, the third, with a team high, three cost turnovers, two ground balls in this game. And then you have Harrison Bardwell with four ground balls. And that group of SSDMs, uh, short-stick defensive midfielders for Cornell, played very, very well. I mentioned Lehigh, who's trying to attack that short-stick matchup, uh, trying to exploit those big riddles. It was never able to happen. Uh, the Cornell and Harrison Bardwell especially, you know, standing his ground, not letting anyone beat him. Uh, there were, I think, one or two goals that Lehigh got uh, beating a short stick um, where a slide did not come, uh, where basically pulled the short stick out, put him on an island. The recovery slide does not come, and you get the goal there. But um, for the most part, you know, outside of that one or two opportunities that I mentioned, this was a really good performance from those D-mids, uh, Bartolo, at the LSM as well. A really strong day for Cornell and his defense. And this is a, an offense that I'll be interested to see how they, how they continue to progress. This one was a slugfest, if you want to call it that was not a very fun game. So we'll, we'll see how things go here. But um, Cornell, Cornell Hobart, a, and remember, Hobart beat Lehigh. So um, Cornell also beats Lehigh as well. So we got those two teams going up against each other. Rivalry game on today, on Tuesday. So it should be an interesting one there. And uh, the Cornell defense, when I went back and watched the whole thing, really, really impressed with uh, with that defensive performance. I think I had mentioned on the recap podcast, uh, I'd mentioned kind of the stat lines there, but I hadn't gone back and watched the game yet. But, uh, yeah, really, really good defensive performance. Chase Irwin, uh, before I forget, 15 saves there, 7 in the third quarter in which both teams were blanked in that period. Um, and, and like, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, he, he had eight caused ton- eight of Lehigh's 15 turnovers were caused. Uh, Cornell also had 35 ground balls in the game as well. So just an all around good defensive effort for the big red. Uh, we'll see how they do against uh, another offense that should be pretty good here in Hobart. Uh, with Tommy Mott and company leading the way for the Statesman. Again, that one is tonight, Tuesday at 5 p.m. ESPN Plus, New York State Rivalry Contest. Now let's get into some of these Tuesday games here, previewing some of these. Um I'm not going to go through all of them. Here's the ones that we have. In the noon time slot, Richmond and St. Bonaventure, Brown and Villanova. At the 1 p.m. time slot, Bryant and Bellarmine, 
Georgetown and Mount St. Mary's and Marquette and Michigan. 2.30, Monmouth and Wagner. 5 o'clock, Cornell and Hobart. 7 p.m., we have High Point and Duke and Sacred Heart and Fairfield uh, in the second Constitution State battle there in a row for the Pioneers. Beat Quinnipiac on Friday. Yeah, Friday. Now going to play Fairfield. So I'm, I'm not going to go over all of these, but um, we'll mention some of them. So uh, first, uh, you know, I think the two biggest ones here today are three biggest ones, I'll say. Brown, Villanova, Cornell, Hobart, as we just talked a little bit about, and then a High Point and Duke. Uh, Brown and Villanova, both of these teams are teams I like a lot that I think we've seen a decent amount from early on this season. And when you look at... When you look at Brown, um, I also wrote about them in my weekend re- in my weekend rewind um, about how they want to go fast, and they will go fast, and and they do go fast. It's not 2016, um, but this is a really good Brown team, and this is a Brown team that if you give them the opportunity, they will kill you. On unsettled situations, they will kill you in transition. Uh, this is a Brown team you probably don't want a ten man ride against because not because you won't get that pressure because you can't get that pressure, but if that thing breaks and the goal's wide open, you pull that goalie out too far. That's not gonna that's not gonna be a good look. There were three times uh, against Vermont where they did that. Vermont, 10-man ride. And Ryan Cornell loves to come out of the cage. Very active goaltender. Very exciting player to watch. Comes out of the cage. He had a diving save on the one. And then well, he actually had two diving saves coming back into the crease. And then he got scored on once. I think it was in the third. Off a... Yeah, it was off the clear... Uh, well, they pulled him out, 10-man 10 men, 10 men ride, and he, he tries to stop it out of the cage, uh, gets in front of the offensive player, but ultimately the goal is wide open behind him, and that gets scored on there. And I think, let me see, that actual, yeah, that clip, that clip I have in the article on here as well. So I got three clips in there of Brown uh, transition goals or uh, one of them also being off the face-off dot where Matt Grunty goes 13 for 26. Uh, And and when you look at this Villanova-Brown game, these are two teams that, you know, really I I think Villanova is a very veteran team in many ways as You've got you know, Luke Keating, you got Matt Campbell, a number of veteran guys, Chris Hovada, uh, a grad transfer on defense, as Keating is on offense. This is a team that is averaging 14.43 goals per game. Patrick Daly, should mention him as well. 
uh, there with 12 goals on the season. Mentioned Keating. And, and, and these two guys, Keating and, and Daly, really leading the way there. Matt Campbell also. This is an offense that it can be a threat. Uh, we saw what they can do. We saw what they did against uh, Penn State and how they can go on these tails. You know, I, I don't know if this Villanova defense, Will Vitton is a very good goalkeeper. I don't know. You have some younger guys. I mentioned Chris Hovada, but around him, it's a bit younger. Uh, Chet Camizio is, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Chet Camizio, though top short stick D-mid, is a senior or a fifth-year guy. I can't remember which, but he's a veteran player. Chris Hovada's a veteran. Will Vitton is a veteran. Outside of that, they're pretty green defensively. Um, and against this Brown offense, which, you know, you look at Devin McLean, who has really showed himself this year, Darian Cook, a number of these guys uh, that are back for Brown. And this is a this is a sneaky Brown team. Feels like Brown's always sneaky, but this is a good Brown team. And offensively, especially, and we mentioned how Brown can kill you in transition. You know, if they can get that going against Villanova, I can clearly see them winning this one, uh, especially against that defense, which is a bit younger in multiple areas. Now, flipping the script there, the Villanova offense, which we just touched on a minute ago, Patrick Daly, I mean, he can score from anywhere, and he has throughout the season, uh, throughout the couple of games they've had. They've had two, uh, two or three this fall. Yeah, three. They just beat uh, Fairfield on Saturday. And then Luke Keating uh, is, you know, the top assist guy with six assists there, 14 points on the season. And then you also have Matt Campbell, you know, leading things there at the midfield. This is a very balanced offense that works very well, and, and they move the ball well. They're able to get – we saw this against Penn State, which is the last game I saw them against. Uh, the last game I saw them in. Oh, actually, no. Yeah. No, we've been to Yale. We've been to Yale. Saw them against Yale. And they did get that Yale defense to move. And that that's a Yale team that overall is very talented. Uh, but we saw it, it's pretty young as Penn State beat them on on Saturday, and, and Young, not in the sense of like, oh, they're all freshmen, but they only had, I think, 11, 12 guys coming into the season that had ever actually started and, and, and were main contributors in a college lacrosse game before. Uh, Matt Brandall being one of those guys, Jack Starr being one of those guys, uh, so uh, Chris Fake, I mean, there's a number of guys that are back from 2020, 2019, but Overall, a lot of new faces there at Yale. And we saw Villanova play them very close. They played them very, very close. Uh, but they also played close against Penn State, uh, who, look, Penn State, you know, th- they played well on Saturday, but they have not played fantastic throughout this season. They've had highs and lows. It's been like a roller coaster for them. That's another team that's very young. So, uh, Villanova, while you do have a lot of these veteran pieces, you do have some good options on both ends of the field. 
I, 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 I do feel like this game is going to be uh, – I do feel like Villanova is kind of you know, not choppy, but it, it, it's going to depend on what team comes out. If the team against Penn State is the one that comes out, second half against Penn State, if that's the one that comes out, it's it could be a long day for them. But if the team that played against Yale comes out, the team that played against Fairfield last week comes out, and they come out filing, this is going to be possibly a shootout. Now, you look at the face-off dot, and you obviously have Matt Gunty there at the dot for Brown. And he has been, you know, he was a freshman in 2020 when things were shut down. And he's been very good thus far here as, what is he now? As a junior. Like, I, you know, all these guys didn't play last year, you know. Forget what these guys are. But uh, as a junior now, uh, it is still playing fairly well. Justin uh, Coppola for Villanova has, you know, he's 57% on the on the year. Matt Gunty is, has gone 40 for 84 on the season. So, 40, 40, 84. That's 47%. And now, granted, one of those was against North Carolina, and one of those was against Vermont. Um, now, if you take out the 7 for 27 against Carolina, he's done a lot better. So, uh, Gunty, while he's gone under 50%, you have to factor in that Carolina game into the, into the statistics. He also went up against a solid faceoff guy for Quinnipiac and Dimitri George. So this is a guy who we know can be successful. Maybe he's not going to do it against the top tier, but he's gonna he's gonna be a top guy and take advantage when he can. And even in that Carolina game, he never gave up. He never gave in. Uh, so certainly, I think this is going to be an interesting battle at the faceoff dot. Who gets that edge there? And really, I mentioned with Brown how they can run. That that'll be interesting. You know, I mentioned on the faceoff that they can do that as well. Off the faceoff, they're gonna get they're gonna get that. Um, if they can't, it's gonna be a good game. High Point and Duke, a Tall Heel State battle. Look, I'm gonna say this real quick. I think Duke wins this game. Uh, Duke is coming off a loss against Penn. Uh, Duke coming off losses tends to be pretty successful, especially early on in the season. Now, on Saturday, we saw Nakai Montgomery really take hold, and he had a phenomenal game for the Blue Devils in that one against the Quakers. As he had, was it five goals, four goals, two assists, six points on the day. Uh, Brennan O'Neill, Andrew McAdoy, Dyson Williams. You know, Sean Rowley was moved back to coming out of the box there. 
against Penn. So we'll see how this high point defense handles that. Uh, you know, look, we've seen Duke be very, very good, very aggressive this season. And we've also seen them be stifled uh, defensively uh, by Jacksonville. And then Penn was with them the whole game. I, I didn't watch that one because I didn't buy the subscription, but they were with them the whole game. It's an overtime game. The one thing to watch for with High Point, obviously Ashley Nolting, you know, he, he does what he does. They got a good win over Navy on Saturday. They played Virginia pretty close as well, 11-10 game there. We know they can stay in it with these teams. And Ashley Nolting had three goals, five assists on Saturday. Michael uh, Ibotito had a six-point game in that one. It's going to be a four-goal game in that one. Braden Maia, Jackson Clay, Hunter Vines. I mean, these are guys that give them an inch of space. They're going to take it, and they're going to do what they will with it. Um, the, I, I don't have a ton of faith in this high point defense. And I don't have a ton of faith in the face-off unit. So I think Duke's going to win that. And I think Duke is going to win, win the face-off battle. And I think they're going to, the, the Duke defense is going to, oh, excuse me, the Duke offense is going to be able to win that battle with the high point defense. And Parker Green um, like he's going to do all he can in cage to stop this, to stop this onslaught. But I have a feeling he's going to get peppered by these Duke shooters. Um, and we know this Duke offense is deep. You know, not only just with the, those top guys that we mentioned, O'Neal, Robertson, Dyson Williams, McAdory, the freshman, Nakai Montgomery, Sean Lowy coming out of the box, not just only these guys, but they have guys on the bench that can come off, make a play. We see it week in and week out. Uh, this Duke offense, it, anybody can step up and have a day Monday through Friday. It does not matter. This is an offense that is dangerous. And, look, they might be 5-2. and two. Duke might not be as dominant as people thought they would would be at this point in the season, but I can tell you right now, they're still very well positioned in the hunt for championship weekend, and you're going up against a high point team that doesn't have a good defense, as I mentioned, is not very strong at the faceoff dot, and you look at Naso and Gender, those two guys I think are going to have their way at the dot, and then when you look at, you know, turnovers are, are, are a big thing that have been with this high point team for the past couple of seasons. You know, th they've cleaned that up, I think, a little bit early on this season. They're still a top 25 turnover team, averaging 15.67 uh, a game. So, look, they, they've cleaned it up a bit. Um, and, and I certainly thought on Saturday, if you go back and watch that game, against Virginia, when you go back and watch that game, they did clean it up a bit. Um, but towards the end there, you, you did see some some turnovers that were, were costly. 
So e- even with all the, that this high point offense has, with a guy like Ashley Olting, Braden Maia, and what they can do, I I just don't see them getting it done because of their poorest play in between the boxes, and that's sp- especially where you see those turnovers come from. I always point back to that high point Richmond game, uh, the first game last year, the regular season game. It was a close one, uh, really close in the first half. But high point, they wanted to run, and, and, and they needed to run to catch back up to Richmond, and they couldn't do it. Next game uh, I want to go over here real quick uh, with y'all is Michigan and Marquette. This will be the toughest opponent that Michigan has played all year. We saw them, they have trounced everybody they've played. They're averaging the top three offense, top five offense, uh, averaging 20-some-odd points a game. They got 13-5 over Cleveland State on Saturday, 23-10. to Now, they had a fight in the first half, but a 23-10 to win over Canisius, 23 over Holy Cross, 21-5 to over Detroit Mercy, and 22 to 13 over Bellarmine. Not the toughest schedule. Possibly the softest, soft, the softest schedule that the Big Ten has played, or that a Big Ten team has played this season. But Michigan, they're entering this stretch here. Marquette, Delaware, Harvard, Notre Dame to end their non-conference play. This is going to be a tough stretch for the Wolverines. And look, I, I, having seen Marquette, now granted it was the first game of the season for them, so you always have to take that with a grain of salt. Teams get better week to week, obviously. But having seen Marquette, you know, this is a pretty good defense that they have here. Um, with, when you look at Michael Allieri in cage, has been pretty solid for them. And I, I think they're going to get good goalie play on Tuesday, or to, uh, tonight, I should say. But, and, and, and the polls, Mason Woodward especially, have been pretty pretty dang good for Marquette this season. Zach Granger, David uh, Mamaraka, they're, that top, that those three as the starting close for the Golden Eagles have been pretty strong. Face off, Nick Lawlett has the upper hand clearly in this one. And then offensively, you know, I, I mentioned Marquette does have a pretty decent defense, but are they going to be able to handle Joshua, Michael Bame, Ryan Cohn, Jake Bonomi? Aiden Mulholland, and everyone else behind him. I mean, this is a Michigan offense that can turn it up and turn it up pretty fast and stay on the gas. Um, So that is going to be really what to watch there. And then, you know, Marquette, you look at a guy like Devin Cowan, who can be a solid option offensively, but and we, we've seen him be good against teams like Denver in the past. I, you know, what are they going to do against Michigan? 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, Michigan, when I talked to Coach Connolly uh, back in January, you know, he had mentioned to me defense was the area where they wanted, where he wanted to improve the most this season, where they needed to improve the most this season. And while they've gotten some good goalie play this uh, over the last year, and can, that's continued this year, he had mentioned, you know, that that defense playing better together as a unit, and then also those short sticks playing better as well. And they got a number of young guys out there playing shorty for them on the back end. So we'll see how this Michigan defense and offense does hold up against a Marquette team that, um, look, I, I don't think we're going to see them in the top 20 anytime soon. Uh, but when you look at the way that Denver is playing right now, and you look at the way that it looks like you know, nobody in the Big East, at least, is going to beat Georgetown, you got to think there might be a pathway there for Marquette to possibly make the postseason in the Big East there in, uh, what was it, year three under Andrew Stimmel. And uh, these Michigan Marquette games have, have been pretty competitive in the past. Uh, go back and look at the history here for these two teams. Let's pull this up real quick. I know it's been a pretty decent showing um, a series, I should say, 2018 to 2020. We only played three times. Uh, last one was a 13 to 12 win for Michigan in 2020. Uh, and then you saw 2019, 16 to 13 win for Marquette and a 12 to 7 win for Michigan in 2018. So it's been a pretty good series. I have a feeling it's not going to be that close here tonight. Moving on, uh, and we already talked about it a little bit, so I'm not going to go that deep into it again, but uh, Cornell and Hobart, that obviously the marquee game of the night here on Tuesday, on Mardi Gras Tuesday. Cornell, two things I want to see better for them, or two things I'm watching for for them. See that offense play better. And... Hobart hasn't been particularly strong offensively in recent, uh, defensively in recent years. They've been very good offensively, not so much on the defensive end, uh, but they have gotten some solid uh, goalie play there. And when you look at what they've done so far in their two games, the game against Colgate got uh, postponed over the weekend. So they've only played two games, but, Kevin Holtby has been uh, pretty solid in cage. Uh, I've not been able to get eyes on Hobart this season, so uh, that will be an interesting one to watch, for me at least, on and really rivalry game on uh, tonight, Hobart and Cornell. So see how that Hobart defense is. And then I know they've been pretty solid. Adam Shea at the faceoff dot. How... How does that match up with Angelo Petrakis' work? Uh, Petrakis didn't have the best day. Of course, you're going up against Mikey Sisselberger. 
Uh, Shea did go 52% against Sisselberger, held Sisselberger to 50% for the first time uh, since he took over as the primary guy. Uh, I think he's only been held to 50% once or twice. And one of those times was against Hobart two weeks ago. Um, so we'll see how that face-off dot goes, uh, the battle face-off dot. And then for Cornell, again, that defense, can they continue this impressive play? Moving on to Wednesday night, um, we have Loyola and Towson and Syracuse and Army. Um, Loyola, Towson, look, Towson, I, I didn't get to see the Rutgers Loyola game. Obviously, was not streamed. I, I feel like they're starting to figure things out. We'll see how they do here. Towson, I really like what they got going on offense, and I really like Kobe Smith and Shane Brennan. That's a solid defense. Once again, it looks like they've improved there at the faceoff dot. Um, so. Really, for me, I haven't been able to see a ton of either of these teams. So for me, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. And this is always a game that is close. Um, No matter how good one is or how bad the other is, if they're both top 10 teams, if they're both, you know, not ranked, it doesn't matter. This is always a fun game. This is always a good game. I love that it's back on a Wednesday night. Uh, Rivalry matchup. It's going to be a good one, no matter what, uh, for the most part, it usually is. Syracuse and Army. I I mentioned this on Saturday, or on last week's podcast, and I mentioned it on Sunday again. Syracuse looks like they're getting more people involved offensively. But you got to you got to be able to rely heavily on more than one guy. You just can't say, okay, it's Lucas Quinn. Well, it's Tucker Dornick. They got Virginia, that zone, killed the Syracuse offense. Gave him a lot of trouble. Maryland's defense gave Syracuse a lot of trouble as well. This is another really good defensive team and army. Marcus Hudgens has been out. Um, again, I don't know when he's coming back, but he's been out. But that hasn't seemed to stop him. Why Schuper is one of the best goalies in the country. What are they going to do against him? I think Syracuse has the advantage at the faceoff dot. Stevie Graber, when we watched against UMass, played pretty well, but has kind of dipped back a bit. Um, Army started slow against Siena, which was surprising, but turned on the Jets and blasted them in the second half. They blasted NJIT. They played Rutgers close, really close. Um, after getting down, I think it was 7-1 to one at one point, they come back, almost win, uh, but lose. I think it was a 1-2 goal loss in that one. So this is a good Army team. Brendan Nickton leading things on offense. This is going to be a good matchup. This is going to be a good measuring stick, I think, for Syracuse. Because, and I says, when you have these blowout losses, I don't like to say that is who this team is. 
And they're all cases, like Syracuse blowing out Holy Cross. They are that much better than Holy Cross. We know that. But when you go up against a team that is or is supposed to be comparable or similar to you in ranking or in style of play or just as a blue blood, as a top-tier team, as a team with NCAA uh, tournament potential, and, and one blows out the other, there's not a lot you can take away from that. And Fop got killed by Wasala, and that really kind of was the spark plug to that whole game for Virginia. But I look at that, and you say, okay, Syracuse is able to kind of come back. They get back 7-11. to They make it a four-goal game. They couldn't get all the way back. So they still have that fight. They still have that fight. And so that's promising. And you got, it's a new coaching staff besides Pat March. And so that also factors in as well. This is a Syracuse team that's going to continue to get better. Obviously, we thought Owen Hilts was going to be there. He's not there. Right? He's injured. He's out. Next man up. We haven't really seen that next man. Seen Lucas Quinn play good. Mikey Bergman play good. Dordovic's had good performances. We haven't seen that. They got to do it against a, 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 a good defense. You can't do it against Holy Cross. I'm sorry. You can't do it against Holy Cross and say, we're a wagon. No. If you go, to, if you go welcome Army into the Dome on, on Wednesday and you blow them out, you blow them out. Syracuse is a wagon. Okay, you can do that. You put on them what Virginia did to you, I'll believe it. But right now, like if I had a vote, I would not have Syracuse as a top 15 team. They're still a top 20 team, but after what happened on Saturday, would not have them in the top 15. Probably have them 17, 18-ish, maybe 16 at the highest for right now. They got to show me a lot more. And Army, guys, win a face-off against a comparable team. That is, you look at the face-off issues the Army has had, that is going to kill Army down the road in the Patriot League. Lehigh, their offense may be stagnant now. And I don't know what it's going to look like when they play Army. I don't know if that if it's going to improve or not. Loyola, we've seen, we know they have weapons. Boston U has weapons. A lot of these Patriot League teams have weapons and good face-off play. Yes, Army has one of the best defenses in the country, and that, that's going to continue. But you got to get better at the face-off dot. you got to get those extra possessions uh, because when you don't, and we saw this last year, when you don't, that comes back to bite you. So, Syracuse Army, always a game I'm looking forward to. 4.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Should be a good one. 5 p.m. Loyola and Towson. And then, this is an exciting one. Albany and Siena, uh, 7 p.m. This is a, so, Scott Moore, obviously, at Albany. Liam Gleason at Siena. 
was an assistant at Albany, they kind of uh, Albany South, if you will, uh, want to become Albany South. So, uh, and Albany has not had a win yet this season. Sienna just left Levos Survivor Island. So we'll see if Albany can uh, leave Levos Survivor Island on Wednesday. Well, if Sienna can get a second win in a row, and I didn't mention that on Saturday, but congratulations to Sienna. They got their first win in, let me pull this up. It was, actually it was a Sunday game. So they uh, did mention it on Saturday's podcast because it was a Sunday game and we didn't talk about Sunday's games um, there. But Sienna held off a fourth quarter comeback from UMass Lowell to get their first win in nearly two years, 729 days. Um, 730 days is two years. So if that game would have been played on Monday, it would have been two years to the day. So almost two years to the day, Sienna gets their first win, ends that losing streak. Uh, congratulations to the Saints. And they were, I think, one of uh, five or six teams to get off of those Survivor Island last week as well. So congrats to all the teams that got your first win. Congrats to all the teams that won. All the teams that lost. Do better. Get better. Uh, we're still early in the season. Got a lot of lacrosse left. It's going to be fun. This week is going to be fun. This weekend is going to be fun. And I'll be previewing that here on Thursday. In the meantime, stay tuned on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.